0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit echoeygt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at echoeygt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Man, you may be seated. Thank you, GT Worship. Isn't it great to be in the presence of the Lord? Good to be in the house of God. Amen. Good to be out of the house. Can somebody say amen? Bless the Lord. Thank God for his goodness. Amen. Thank God for all the snacks we ate the last three days. I do believe I put on five pounds. You see it too, don't you? You see it. And we're going to move on, right? Get that man an eye appointment. He needs some new glasses. Amen. Amen. Please, please remember, as we stated, you know, our blessing... Uh, becomes another person's challenge sometimes. And the storm, uh, Dorian is like, unlike any other storm. I don't think I remember a storm that's just gotten over an area that's populated and just stayed for 48 hours and over 30, you know, in three days and just pummeling the, the uh, island of the Bahamas. So I wonder if you can just join hands to that person beside you and, and let's pray just for the people uh the bahamian people father we come to you tonight and lord we we lift up god our brothers and sisters in the faith god well we lift up the bahamian people god and lord we pray we pray god for those who have lost everything god and they're just wondering how they're going to survive how they're just going to get water and the next meal to eat And lord i pray i pray god for the those who are rescuing and the first responders and lord as as people are beginning to, to navigate a response to help to help the islands, I pray, God, that, that Lord, all the roadblocks would be just taken away. And, Lord, just the generosity of people begin to pour in. And, Lord, we pray. We pray for the healing of, of, of the Bahamian people. And, God, that we know uh, material things can be replaced, God. Uh, But, Lord, I pray that a a great revival will come out of this, Lord, a great move of the power of God that will sweep across the Caribbean, Lord. And, Lord, just just touch uh, all the way to to, to, to United States, a revival break forth, God, of of great proportions. And, Lord, we know what the enemy means for harm, God. You can begin to turn those things. You can begin, God, to work even in the midst of, of hardship and tragedy. And we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Bless the Lord. Tonight we, we, we continue our sermon series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're in the fifth chapter. It's our, it's our 20th sermon in the book of Thessalonians. And we're gonna pick up in verse four of chapter five. We're gonna read down to verse, verse eight. Paul says, but you are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. So remember the context. The context, he's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus, the second coming of Christ. And, uh, and he described it, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, he described the coming of the Lord as it's gonna happen in a moment, like a thief in the night, at a time when people least expect it. Now Paul was talking specifically to the church, specifically to these new believers in Thessalonica. They had a lot of questions concerning those who had died, are they now going to miss the second coming or what's gonna happen? That, that question was answered in chapter four, that we who are alive and remain shall not prevent them who have went on, but that trumpet's gonna sound. The dead in Christ are gonna rise, and then which, which are alive, we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So there's a lot of questions taking place, and Paul is giving some very distinct uh, uh, direction here. He says, so. You will not be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We do not belong to darkness and night. Get that in your mind. We do not belong to darkness, nor do we belong to the night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word Now Lord, open our hearts to receive uh, your word tonight and give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And may we leave here tonight, God, challenged, encouraged, and strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's review the first few verses of chapter chapter five. It opens up talking about the times and seasons, the, the how and when this is going to take place. And Paul told the Thessalonians, he says, you do not need me to write to you about these things. He says, for the day of the Lord. Now remember, the day of the Lord, the theological term is is called the perusia. The the perusia of the Lord, the day of the Lord. It's a day of judgment, a day when uh, the church is taken away. But then the tribulation begins and the wrath of God begins to be poured out. And we talk about the imagery, verse two, it says, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. There will be no escape. And you begin to see the imagery like a thief who breaks in and steals. A woman who is pregnant. She knows the labor pains are gonna come. She knows there's no escaping those labor pains. Just as sure as a pregnant woman will have la- labor pains, so sure is the Lord going to return. And tonight we pick up here in verse four. We're gonna talk about how we are children of light. He says, But you are not in the dark about these things, brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. So we don't belong to darkness and night. So remember the context. Keep it it in front and center. The context is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When will these things happen? How will this take place? And Paul is encouraging these new believers that they will not be surprised. Now the King James uses the phrase, you will not be overtaken, or it will not overtake you as a thief. And the Greek word here means to happen quickly, without warning, to come upon suddenly or unexpectedly while doing something, as a thief. Jesus said this, Luke records it in his gospel, chapter 17, verse 24. Jesus said, As the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. You know, the clouds tell you that something is in the air. You see the storm beginning on the horizon, and you know the clouds are telling you rain is about to happen. See, Clouds tell you that something is brewing in the sky, but just as suddenly as lightning flashes and lights up the sky and then is gone, so will the coming of the Lord be. Yet there are signs that tell you you're living in a new season, but the event will happen like a thief. However, believers will not be surprised. You'll be prepared. And how many are gonna be prepared and not surprised? You'll be prepared because of the presence of Christ that lives and abides in you. Now, why will you be prepared? Notice what verse five says, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Look at that phrase, you are children of the light and of the day. What are the characteristics What are some of the characteristics of of being children of the light? Go back to the words of Jesus. John records the words of Christ in the 13th chapter of his gospel, verse 36. Jesus said this, put your trust in the light while there is still time, then you will become children of the light. Put your trust in the light while there is still time, and you will become children of the light. John opens up his gospel, the very first chapter, the very fourth verse, it says, The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Children of the light are the ones who have put their trust in Christ. Now let's take a moment, look at the context of what Jesus is saying. So look there at John chapter 12. Go back to verse 20, and let's read this verse in context. Verse 20 says, some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and they said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. So Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new souls. Verse 25, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Jesus said, If anyone wants to serve me, he must follow me, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So understand the context of what Jesus was saying. You must put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. The context of that statement is in the fact of uh, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you'll lose your life, if you'll surrender everything to him, you'll find your life. So those who are children of the light are those who have learned to trust Christ as their Savior. Those who have said, you know what? I'm willing to die so that the life of Christ can be magnified in me. Children of the light. That day will not catch you by surprise because you don't live in darkness. You live in light. You understand. You are children. It means being followers of Jesus Christ, not just in word. But indeed, not just in proclamation. See, what's gonna get you to heaven is not you raising your hands in worship and not you you, you going through the motions of worship. What's gonna get you to heaven is a life that's following the person of Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life. It's not enough just to be an at-Christian on Sunday. You have to be Christian on Monday. You have to be Christian on on Tuesday and and, and the rest of the day is the week. Your life has got to emulate the life of Christ. That's what it means about dying and losing your life. So you learn to find it in Him. Turn with me to the New Testament epistles. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 again talking about being children of the light. And Paul gives a great exposition of how we are no longer living in darkness, but we are children of the light. Therefore, as children of the light, we are to live differently from the world. Now, we're applying this to 1 Thessalonians because Paul was telling them, listen, that day will not catch you unexpectedly. It won't catch you unaware because, because listen. You're children of the light. You're followers of Christ. Those who are not following Christ, it will catch them as a thief. It will catch them unexpected. Those who are playing church, those who are just trying to to, to act spiritual but are not spiritual, it will catch them like a thief in the night. But those who are children of the light, it won't catch them unaware why because their life is prepared through daily living following Christ so as children of the light we're to live differently from the world i think we would agree with that amen as children of the light we would we are to live differently from the world so paul opens this section with basically saying stop excusing your sinful behavior and listen, let me tell you, we need to take this phrase out of our, out of our thought processes. Well, you know, we all are just sinners, so, so I just sin a little bit. We use it as an excuse. We use it as a crutch. That's half true. Yes, we all are sinners, but we've been redeemed by grace. The power of sin's been broken over our life. We're not to use it as a crutch to keep living the way that we want to live. And Paul really begins just to hit this with the church of of Ephesus. Chapter 5, verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Trying to excuse, to explain it away. Well, I'm just a sinner, so I'm going to sin no, if we believe the Word of God, you are a child of God, born again, rebirthed. You have the power to overcome. You're more than conquerors. You're, you, you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We can live according to the Word of God. Amen? So don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all Who disobey him the anger of God the wrath of God be poured out the coming of the Lord when Christ comes after thee who now lets is taken out of the way then the wrath of God begins to be poured out and you see that in the book of revelations the vials are broken the trumpets are blown these are this is the wrath of God being poured out God's not appointed you to wrath he's pointed you to obtain salvation so listen to what it says. Don't, don't excuse these sins. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. So there's a contrast, darkness and light. There's a contrast of how, how, how the world lives and then how believers are to live. Amen? How, how we used to live and how we are to live Today, for this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. The light within us, talking about the presence of God, only produces what is right, good, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Why should we expose sin? Why should we expose the darkness in our life because darkness cannot stand light. And light exposes what's in the darkness. And when, when light exposes what's in the darkness, there's one of two things you got to do. you got to repent or you got to flee. you got to run. If you repent, you, re- you, you find the favor of God. You find the, the blessings of the Lord. If you run, it creates strongholds in you. It creates bondages. And there's a lack of freedom in your life. So so we want the light of God to expose these things. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light living by the Spirit's power. Verse 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, children of the light are to live wisely. Be careful how you live. Determine what pleases the Lord. Follow what pleases the Lord. Look at verse Thessalonians 5. Look at verse 7. He goes on to say that night is the time when people sleep and drunkards get drunk. He says, you don't have anything to do with darkness. You don't have anything to do with the night. Now, he's using an analogy here. He says, listen, you're children of the light. You're not children of the dark. Things that are happening in the dark, listen, people sleep, there's, there's, it's, 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 it's just uh, slothfulness. But then drunkers get drunk in the night. But you are children of the light. One theologian writes this, In the Bible, darkness typically refers to moral or spiritual blindness, disobedience, and separation. This fear of darkness is where the unbelieving world lives. Paul contrast is sharp. You, the Thessalonians, and all believers are not living in unbelief, spiritual darkness, or moral confusion, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. For believers, Christ's coming is nothing to fear. You're not living in darkness. It won't catch you unaware. It won't catch you as a thief in the night. Why? Because you're prepared. You're prepared. So what must we do? Listen to what Paul writes in verse 6. He tells us that we must Be ready, and begin to clothe ourselves. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. We know the Lord is coming. It's not going to catch us unaware. Why? Because we're watching, and we're living a sober life. In Romans 13 the Apostle Paul was using the analogy of light and darkness and he says this in verse 11 this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is time is running out wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe Says the night is almost gone the day of salvation is soon here so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living and because we belong to the day We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of what the world is doing, wild parties and drunkenness, sexual promiscuity and immoral living, quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your sinful desires. I think verse 14 bears repeating. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think a good practice for us to do when we wake up in the morning is mentally go through the process I'm gonna put on the Lord Jesus Christ today. I'm gonna clothe myself with the mind of Christ. I'm gonna clothe myself with the clothing of righteousness, the clothing of right living. I'm gonna clothe myself with a good attitude, the attitude and the mind of Jesus, amen? So, what must we do? We must watch, stay alert, and be clear-headed. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, verse 8. Protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. So, notice the charge. Don't sleep as others do, But watch and be sober. See, to live or to sleep is to live without awareness. To sleep in this context is to live without thought. To sleep in this context is to live carelessly. But we're challenged not to do those things. We're challenged to stay alert. And that Greek word for alert means to be awake, to be on the alert, to to be awake as to watch. The same word is used in verses like 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I love how the King James puts this verse. It's just an old English. It says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Quit you like men simply means stand up like a man. Be a man. I'm telling you, we need that, that message today, don't we? Come on, ladies, say amen with me. We need some men to be men today. But notice, understand the spirit of what Paul was saying. you got to be alert. you got to be ready for the fight because you're in a spiritual battle. We're living in the season, the last days. The clouds on the horizon tell you a storm is coming. And just like the lightning that appears and lights up the night sky, so will the coming of the Lord be. It will not catch you unaware because you're not, you're not children of the dark, you're children of the light. In the dark, things that are unspeakable are done. People sleep and get drunk, but, but not you because you belong to the light. Be alert, be watchful, be sober-minded. Why? Because Jesus is coming. And when you're alert, when you're sober-minded, guess what? You're prepared for the coming of the Lord. You're prepared that when Jesus splits the eastern sky, you'll be ready. You, it won't be like a thief to you. It'll be sudden, but you'll be prepared. It's imperative. Live your life being prepared. Quit you like men. Stand up. Mark 13:34 uses the same, same Greek word. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work that they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. In verse 37, of that same chapter, he says, I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. You're to live in a state of readiness. You're to live in a state of watchfulness. Now, notice that phrase in the verse that says, stay clear-headed. If you have the King James translation or the New King James, it uses the word sober. Sober means to be clear-headed. It means to be self-controlled. And the meaning here is to get self-controlled with the idea of sober up. One who is not sober, a drunk. You ever been around a drunk person? There's no boundaries. They'll tell you everything. There's no spatial boundaries. They'll come up on you and try to hug up on you and touch up on you. They try to get all close on you and everything. They're going to tell you everything that happened in their life. Why? Because there's no boundaries. Because alcohol does that. Alcohol takes away all the inhibitions. And and everything that's inside just going to come out. I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. Can somebody say amen? Amen. They have no boundaries, no control. They're unreasonable. And Paul was telling the Thessalonians to live with boundaries. Be clear-headed. Do not live in a fog. You're to be watchful and sober-minded. And the context of this conversation is we're living in the last days and with the thought of the day of the Lord taking place. So we are to be clear-headed. We are to be sober-minded. We are to live with self-control in our lives. And then he says, clothe yourself with the proper clothing. But those who live in the light... Be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love. Wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Notice that word protected. The King James says putting on. A good translation of this word means to put on, to dress, to put clothes on oneself. See, your dress, your clothing is what is going to protect you. Now, obviously, Paul was talking about spiritual clothing here. He's talking about a spiritual armor here. You're living in the light. Therefore, clothe yourselves with the armor of faith. The armor of faith is a strong confidence in and a reliance upon God. The idea of trust is understood in this concept. What is interesting here is the Greek word for armor means breastplate. And this part of the armor which protects the heart of the soldier, the breastplate, put on the breastplate of faith. See, the heart must be protected because out of the Heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the actions flow. Out of the heart comes your comes your your, your the way you live. Uh, so you have to have your heart protected above all. Give all diligence. Guard your heart. The Book of Proverbs tells us. And it's interesting that Paul, returning to that military uh, uh, language, there he says, "Put on the armor or the breastplate." The breastplate's what's gonna cover your heart, that vital organ that that causes you to live, that heart that produces the beats that causes the blood to go through your veins, the cells to be reoxygenated to take the oxygen to your brain, which gives you life. Protect the heart. How are you protecting your heart? How are you protecting Your heart. As a man's heart is, so goes his life. We must guard our heart, the armor of faith. Not only are we to have our heart that is protected by a strong confidence and reliance upon God, trusting His word and His ways, but we're to clothe ourselves with the armor of love. One theologian writes this faith is that certain knowledge of God. His promises in salvation. Love is a yielding to God and joyful obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Obedience. We spoke about that Sunday. A love that shows itself in obedience. A love that has so changed our lives that it leads to changed behavior. The Holman New Testament commentary has an interesting observation on this section. It says faith guards it. Within keeping us in close relationship with Christ love God's our hearts and outward behavior toward others keeping us pure and expressive of the spiritual vitality within and Then he says clothe yourselves put on the helmet of the confidence of our salvation Now Paul was telling the Thessalonians to protect their hearts with faith and love and then he says protect your head with the helmet of the hope of salvation The New Living Translation uses the word confidence. True hope creates a confidence of what is ahead. True hope creates confidence, not fear. People live in fear of the coming of the Lord. But when you have a hope that is renewing your heart and your life, you live with the confidence of knowing that when he appears, you'll see him. When that trumpet sounds, you'll be with him. That day would not catch you unaware. That day would not catch you unprepared. Why? Because you're children of the light. You're living and that confident hope is being produced in your life. So you look forward to the salvation of the Lord. True hope creates confidence of what is ahead. We see this great example in Romans 4. Dealing with Abraham, having confidence in the promise which God had given him. I want you to turn there as we begin to close. Romans 4 verse 18, talking about how the helmet, of the confidence of our salvation, how the hope of our salvation breeds confidence in us. Romans 4 verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. There it is, no reason for hope, he kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations for God had said to him He kept hoping against hope why because God had said to him God had promised him He kept hoping when everybody said there was no hope he kept hoping and it became his confidence why because God had said to him When God tells you something, when God has put his stamp on something, church, you got reason to have confidence. You have reason to have hope. Amen? Amen. For God said to him, this, that's how many descendants you will have. Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Church, never waver in believing God's promise. Peter says, God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he is willing that none should perish, but all come to repentance. That context of that verse was in the second coming of the Lord. People have been saying for years, The Lord is coming. Where is his coming? Peter says, God's not slack concerning his promise, but he is willing that none should perish. He's still waiting for people to come into the family of God. He's still waiting for the redemption of the Gentiles. He's still waiting for our family members to accept and receive the Messiah. But at that moment, at that moment, that trumpet's gonna sound at that right time, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Notice that, the delay, instead of weakening his faith, it only made his faith grow stronger. Ooh, Lord, give us a faith like that. Give us a faith that the delay does not disappoint us, but it only makes us grow more confident, stronger. (laughs) Why? Because God has promised his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God for he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. What guards our mind is the confidence of our salvation, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul uses the triad. Faith Love, hope. Faith, love, hope. Breastplate of faith. Breastplate of love. Let that breastplate guard your heart. And put on that helmet so it'll guard your mind. When the enemy tries to tell you the Lord's not gonna come again, the Lord's promises are gonna fall, they're gonna fail. May you, like Abraham, not waver. May you, like Abraham, even though the delay was present, his faith grew stronger and stronger and stronger. You'll find that that helmet of your salvation, that helmet of faith, that helmet of hope is gonna build confidence in you and you're gonna live with greater effectiveness and the power of God is gonna be displayed in your life. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Verse nine, it says, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ and not to pour out his anger on us why can we look forward to the coming of the lord jesus because god has chosen to save us through our lord jesus christ and not to pour out his anger on us i'm looking for the coming of jesus christ i'm not looking for the antichrist i'm looking for jesus Christ. He's going to come and it's not going to catch us unaware because we are children of the light. How do we know we're children of the light? Because we're walking in the ways of God. We recognize the principles of the kingdom of God and we're choosing to live according to those principles. Can you say amen? Can you stand with me tonight? Can you just for a few moments lift your hands toward heaven as we worship God? Just give him thanks for our salvation. Give him thanks for our redemption. Give him thanks tonight for the hope we have.